0: Welcome to the Kesed Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesed, you can head to kesedchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Well, good evening and welcome to Kesed Church's Good Friday service. I am, uh, I'm so excited that you guys are here to just spend some time talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he um, that he made for all of us uh, I, I want to start today off with prayer so let's just uh, let's take a moment and do that Heavenly Father we are we are gathered all across our county across our city our state and we are we are just grateful we are sitting in a grateful place that that in the midst of all the unknown that's been happening that Lord you are still so uh, reliable, you are still so honest. You are still so present in all of our lives, and so Lord, as we as we continue this tradition of gathering on this evening to to talk about you and the way that you sacrificed your life for us, may we experience it in a new and fresh way. May we may we use these feelings that we are having the anxiety, the fear, the the stress. May we use it to to better understand even a taste of what it is you went through on this fateful night. We are thankful that we can still uh, talk about you, that we can praise you, and that we can learn. We lift all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. My name's Danny. I'm gonna be sharing with you guys this evening. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 at the end of this service to do a wherever you are and with whatever you have communion. So I'm just giving you that heads up right now that uh, that we're going to be doing that. Um, I, I came to the building and actually forgot to bring communion sacraments. And so uh, I was grateful that I remembered my mom has a lot to do uh, with what goes on here at the building. And she always keeps frozen uh, items in the freezer, so I found this mini muffin. So thank you, mom, for that. I, I don't know what you guys are going to use, but again, we're learning during this time that it's it's far more about the experience than it is about the actual elements themselves. It's about what they represent, and it's about um, about really uh, recognizing what our Savior did for us. So let's uh, let's just. Let's just go into this together with our imaginations. Let's, let's just go into that night. Come with me into that room. The disciples have found themselves in a surreal place. Something almost unexplainable, undefinable has happened to them. Jesus was dead. As you can imagine, they were completely undone and free-falling. This evening, this evening where Christ was sacrificed, their their whole lives and everything they thought, even about their futures, their eternities, is now free-falling. They were feeling much like T.S. Eliot did in the early 1940s when he said these words, I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. I I, I think a lot of us, quite easily can fall into that place where something just just undefinable and unexplainable has happened in our world, and we're suddenly asking questions we never thought we would ask just, just a few weeks ago. This is where the disciples are. This is what they are feeling. It's like N.T. Wright describes. Sometimes, he says, there is a stillness, not of rest, but of poised, anxious sorrow. I think some of us have asked to uh, to slow down. I've heard this before in people's lives. I really need to slow down. I really need to just to, to take stock. I really need to find myself in a place where I can just think. And then suddenly that happens. Suddenly your whole world just screeches to a halt and you're in this place you, you never thought of, but it's a place that is not of rest, but of, as he said, poised, anxious sorrow. That's where those disciples are in that upper room. And I believe that's where a lot of us are that are gathered in our homes. We're in that place of stillness, but it is very sad how we got here. We start asking like they asked what now to do, where now to go, how now to be. I think we understand that. I think we relate to it. And I think because of that, perhaps this Good Friday will strike us in a way that is incredibly different than any other one has before. Uh, N.T. Wright, who I just quoted, actually recently wrote a beautiful piece for Time magazine on resisting the temptation to offer explanations for our current crises. This was directly to believers, to, to you and I. He writes, It is not the responsibility of the Christian vocation, then, to be able to explain what's happening and why. So many of us want that. So many of us want to tell people, well, you know, this is why. This, this verse is depicting these times or this prophecy or this explanation or this thing. We are people who want to be able to hold on to something we can explain, something we can understand. But I'm just here to tell you, that's not what Good Friday is about because these folks at this time didn't understand and they couldn't explain. We want that because it's safe. It's safe. But Good Friday is not about being safe. In fact, being a Christian really has very little to do with safety. It is part of the Christian vocation actually not to be able to explain but instead when things fall apart to lament. N.T. Wright in his article said lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. How many of us just our situation just got described for us just on that simple quote. We are in a place of lamenting where we are trying to understand what is going on and there really doesn't seem to be many answers. In this way, N.T. writes, inviting us to remember that Christianity has always offered us a way to lament that eventually leads to hope. And this is because, and I'm gonna give you a few points from his article. First off, that lament... What Good Friday's about is a form of praise. Lament is a form of praise. Old Testament scholars estimate that two-thirds of the Psalms are laments. Two-thirds of the Psalms are laments. Yet the title of the compilation is praises. That's how people read them. That's how people partake in them most of the time. How could a collection, which includes so many complaints, so many... uh unanswered questions be considered praise. In common usage, the word lament and complaint are kind of interchangeable. I I think when I tell someone I'm, I'm lamenting, they're like, oh, you're complaining, or I'm complaining, you may say, well, you're lamenting. But in the scripture, complaint and lament occur in different contexts and so can be distinguished as different concepts. I like this definition, a complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character. But a lament is an appeal to God based on confidence in his character. And so we lament. We lament to God because of who we believe him to be. Just, righteous, faithful, and so on. We lament because we know he is good. We don't complain, we hurt openly and boldly. We feel and we proclaim and God sees it all. The next thing that's important to understand about lament is that lament is a proof of the relationship. God's people Israel brought their lament to God in the Psalms on the basis of his covenant with them. These prayers and songs were not vain attempts to convince some distant deity to notice them. They weren't out there trying to get God's attention. Rather, these were people whom Yahweh, the sovereign creator had called his firstborn. And so they owned that title, they owned that belonging, and they were asking their father to act according to what he has said they mean to him. We lament, we lament, because it is proof that we have relationship with God and he deems us his children. And so we call out to him as so. I've shared that illustration before, uh, the one from Dr. Russell Moore's book, Adopted for Life. The, the, The illustration goes specifically like this. It says he was describing going to an orphanage in Russia. As they were in the process of pursuing adoption, the silence from the nursery was eerie. The babies in the cribs never cried. Not because they never needed anything, but because they had learned that no one cared enough to answer. You see, children who are confident of the love of a caregiver cry. They lament because they know someone will hear them. I like this quote. For the Christian, our lament when taken to our Father in heaven, is proof of our relationship with God and our connection to a caregiver. That's why we lament. That's why it's important, because it proves that we have relationship with God, and so therefore it is a form of praise. Next, lament is a participation in the pain of others. I don't know about you, but... I I've been uh, trying really hard to be honest with my kids, with my wife, with my friends about how I'm feeling. I think there there's some expectation for pastors to say, "Ah, oh, you know, God's got this." And so therefore have a real carefree and sort of sort of just a lighthearted uh approach to everything that's going on and, and I I haven't done that. I I have been as honest as I've as I've ever been about the things going on, the turmoil, the unease happening inside me. As you know, uh, here in just a few days, in this building that I'm preaching to you from right now, we were supposed to launch our Easter service, and I think it's fair to say that's it uh, that is frustrating. That that I I'm lamenting to God about that. I'm I'm crying out to Him because I know He cares, and I I wish it was different, but but it's not. And so I sit to you, with you, in this place, sharing honestly as I can that, uh, that I hurt, and that I know you hurt, but that I know Good Friday is just for that, for lament is a participation in the pain of others. It's for sharing that. Lament is not only for the suffering, it is for the solidarity with the suffering. Dr. Glenn Packiam said, we love our neighbor when we allow their experience of pain to become the substance of our prayer. I'll say it again. We've never received such detailed, beautiful prayer requests in the life of our church. I don't think in 21 years of being um, a full-time vocational pastor, I have ever received such consistently authentic and raw, beautiful prayer requests. And I'll be, uh, they're, they're, they're just racked with pain. Very few of them are praises of any kind. Almost all of them are appropriate laments. This, after all, this idea that, 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 that Jesus uh, meets us in our pain, it, it, we get from him. It's what he did for us. Matthew 27, 46 says, and about the ninth hour, while Jesus is hanging on that cross, while those people are scattered in their homes, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The strange act of asking why God had forsaken him has been analyzed by scholars and theologians for what it means for generations. But what we often miss is that Jesus was actually praying and crying out the words of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Jesus says, what he does precisely because that was the prayer of many Jewish martyrs in the first century and he was identifying with their pain. He was lamenting and connecting and pulling from the past and also the present and also the future into ours, all people who would feel in situations like this, like God was not present. And so therefore he was participating in their pain. Indeed, his death was the ultimate prayer of solidarity with others. And like him, every prayer of lament which we offer is another act of the same. And best yet, lament is not our final prayer. It's a prayer of in the meantime. As with the story of Jesus on the cross, we know that sorrow is not how the story ends. In that upper room, as those people are gathered like you are right now, if we could sit with those early disciples in that upper room knowing what we know now, I believe they would be filled to the brim to hear the words N.T. Wright shared at the close of his article when he wrote, as the spirit laments within us, so we become, even in our self-isolation, small shrines where the presence and healing love of God can dwell. And out of that, there can emerge new possibilities, new acts of kindness, and new hope. You see, church, this lamenting that we're in it's not our final lament it's not our final prayer it's a it's a it's a prayer of as i said in the meantime just as it was then so it is it is now in The way that you lament, you are lifting your cares, your concerns, your fears, the things that are tearing you apart inside, and therefore you become, as the quote said, a shrine of God's presence where the healing love of God can dwell. And out of the shrine of God's presence, out of this temple body that we have, God will be made known. And that new hope, that new hope is, of course, the person of Jesus Christ. That new hope is the one that we identify with every single day of our lives not just good friday sometimes I, I get bothered by the traditions because i feel like we we save up all of our all of our uh, authentic broken praise for these for these specific days when really we are supposed to be living this out every day we are supposed to be lamenting like this every day we are supposed to be people who can praise in our suffering. We are supposed to be people who are are proven to be connected to God and have relationship with him through the way in which we cry out. We are supposed to be people who participate in other people's pain. And so therefore, we raise our prayers for ourselves and for them. And of course, we are supposed to be people who recognize there is only one hope and that light shines brightest when it is darkest. And Good Friday 2,000 years ago was a dark night and we are told, we are asked to remember the, the death and sacrifice of Jesus. We are actually told to enter into that darkness because there is so much to learn about the light. This Good Friday may be the most special Good Friday of our lives, but it will only happen if we are willing to be honest and lament. To recognize what this This Savior sacrificed for me and for you. This is why we take communion. This is why we we gather and we pause and we ask big questions. We raise big concerns. we be honest about the disappointment and the struggle. This is... This is why Christianity is so powerful, because God doesn't tell us to hush and turn away. He tells us to to fall upon him. He tells us to cry out to him. And he tells us that he will meet us. How beautiful is that? This God who desires to be our only and our everything. I want to give you a moment to gather your communion supplies. And while I do, I'd like you just to reflect uh, around this special that I'll have our worship team sing over you. I believe God has uh, his ears wide open waiting for you to tell him what it is you're concerned about. Waiting for you to recognize this sacrifice. Waiting for you, church, family, to truly lament and to meet Jesus within it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in this, in this situation at this time, I feel like the story of the cross is, is so um, appropriate and so active and alive. I pray God, as we reflect upon uh, your desire to be our only and to be our everything, that so much so that you went all the way to death, that you were willing to, to sacrifice, Yourself so that you could be in relationship with me. God, I just, I ask that you would prepare our hearts as we get ready to partake in this sacrament with you. We lift this time to you now. Amen.
1: presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment never want to leave I'm not here for blessing see Jesus you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do I just want you I'm sorry just gone through the motions I'm sorry When i just sing another song take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings No, Jesus Jesus, you don't owe me anything More than anything that you can do I just want you I just want you Nothing else I just want you, Lord, nothing else. No, nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Oh, nothing else. Nothing else will do. I'm just
0: If you have a Bible, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. That's going to be the communion passage that we're going to read here in a moment. Before I uh, I serve communion, I, I want to talk to folks that uh, that maybe are watching that don't normally attend church. Uh, communion is something we do to remember, like this Good Friday service, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and. I believe, based on just what I'm hearing about how so many people are watching our our services, more people than go to our church, that that there's probably people that are watching who have never accepted Christ, certainly have never taken a communion. And yet, I think you continue to tune in because talks about things like lamenting ring true to the humanness, ring true to to what is happening within your heart and within your soul. And so I want to do this. If you want to know this God that I am talking about, I wanna give you an opportunity to, to accept him. There's no magic behind it. There's no special thing. There's just simply you, where you are, just acknowledging that something is happening inside your heart you can't explain. And that you believe there is something more than, than, than all of this. That you, are, that you are more than just science sitting in a chair. That, that you are created. And that when you cry out, there is a creator who listens? So, if, if you've never accepted Christ in your life, uh, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads right now. I'm going to I'm going to ask you just to uh, just quietly. You can say it out loud, or you can you can just say it within yourself. Either way, just say these words. Say, "God, it's me." Lord, I feel like like you're there. I want to have connection and presence with you. I want. to to live my life truly alive. I recognize that this person, Jesus, died on a cross to restore relationship with me, and so I accept that. I confess my failures, my sins, my brokenness. Like all of us, I confess, God, that I have fallen short. I ask that you would enter my life, and I ask, Lord, that you would bring wholeness to me thank you for this time. I lift it to you. Amen. Amen. If, if you accepted Christ, we're going to ask you, uh, please, uh, either comment to Pastor Chris or, uh, send an email, send an email to our, uh, to our prayer link. Chris will put one down there for you. And, and we would love to, to just get in touch with you and to, to chat with you and to, and maybe walk you through what what, uh, what should be happening next? But if you have accepted Christ, if you are a professing Christian, though, this communion is for you. And so let's celebrate that now. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, again, this Good Friday. Experience. Thank you for the the sacrifice you laid out before each of us. I ask God that that there would be a new fire, a new spark in our lives as we bring forth our lament, our concerns, our praise, and our our crying out for you. Thank you, Lord, that we can that we can gather at this time and bring you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite and encourage you to continue uh, sharing, to ask for prayer, to uh, to try and connect. Uh, Pastor Chris will stay with you in the comments. And we are, of course, so excited to be with you on Easter Sunday, 9 and 11. Make sure and, uh, and check that out uh, because, church, we are very much so a part of the resurrection story. And uh, every one of us watching right now, every single one of us has a God who knows our name and who is with us, who has defeated death and who is overcoming as we speak. So be encouraged and I'll see you Sunday morning. God bless.